welcome back. Uh, welcome to Before We End. What's up, Shelly? How are you? <laughs> Hi, Ty. Um, I'm good. I'm sleepy. Um, we're feeling self-conscious about our intro, so we can try to like um, mix it up. But then it felt... Um, it felt awkward talking about how you're gonna introduce each other and then do that on recording. Yeah. Also, I feel like like our vision for it was that like it would be kind of like entering a FaceTime call, you know? Yeah. That. Yeah. But then like we don't actually say hi, Ty, hi, Shelly on our FaceTime calls. We're just like, like, we just like it's just like boom, and then like, uh, hey, like I'm really upset about this. Blah blah blah. <laughs> like, I feel like you know? I start all my FaceTimes with like, hey, bitch. I do that. Mm. A little, a little, <laughs> a little acknowledgement. Mm. Um, oh, sorry. This we also is- don't FaceTime each other this much. I mean, like that much these days now that we're living with each other. Yeah. Um, although I actually do FaceTime you quite a bit from my bed. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, actually a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, I've done it a couple of times too, but. Um, I don't like to move to talk to people that's the best part about FaceTime that's fine um anyway so today we're gonna be talking about the really famous Netflix series Cheer and a little bit on to be known or not to be known and some stuff around visibility social media fame knownness Mm -hmm. etc um but yeah before we get into things is there anything that you've been thinking about lately um, hmm, i don't know um today i like i really overslept but i could also like feel that my body needed it <laughs> so that was good i feel like i was like like if i had woken up earlier then my body would have taken like three three naps afterwards anyways so um and I had a like I want to say I had a good dream but then the part that I remember about it is kind of horrifying oh my god so, like um yeah I think it was like in the moment it was cute but then now that I think about it outside of the dream I'm like oh that was kind of horrifying was um, it I was basically I was picking out a puppy um like at a um like I guess like a store not a shelter which is not something I would do but whatever and then uh but for some reason these puppies were like immobile as in like they were it wasn't like they had like um a disability or anything it was like literally like it was like they were dolls but then if you touch them they would come come to life whoa and then um you could just uh, but you could only like pick them while they're like like basically like sleeping i guess like like it looks like they they're sleeping okay but kind of like also kind of dead right <laughs> and like then frozen. yeah frozen and then you would you could only pick them while they're like like just passed out and then uh, and then when you p- pick one up like it's alive or something and it, mm. and it was cute like there were a lot of cute puppies but also waking up from the dream i was like what the fuck was that was so creepy mm. um <laughs> But yeah, also. yeah. I've been having really scary dreams mm-hmm. lately, but not like nightmares. You know when dreams are scary, but they're not nightmares. Yeah, they're just like a little like off. Yeah, yeah. they're like, <laughs> but like yeah, like I feel like like scary things happen within them, but it's not like 
Like, I feel like nightmares really is more about, like, the feeling, you know, like, intense anxiety and, like, just extreme, like, panic. I've also had nightmares where I woke up from them and then I laughed about them because it was so fucking ridiculous. I was like, why did my dream self, like, why was my dream self scared from that? Oh my god, I had the fuck, dude, I used to have the funniest fucking nightmares when I was a kid. I genuinely had, like, I would have a lot of, like, anxiety dreams where there'd be, like, too much of something Mm. and I somehow, like, the amount of something would overwhelm me, but... This one dream I was dying at. I basically the concept was I had to bury sausages in the ground. Okay. But there were too many sausages. Okay. And I like like I just like I couldn't like figure out how long it would take me to bury all of these sausages <laughs> in the ground. I was probably like 12. I literally woke up from a stream in like a cold sweat like hyperventilating. <laughs> like no seriously like this and it was just such I remember it being like such a nightmare like I woke up with my heart racing and I was like panicking and like shaking and like so scared which is just so weird your brain is yeah Freud would have a field day on that one (laughs) right oh my god that's such a Freudian dream but yeah because it's very phallic I guess so phallic um (laughs) and you're also like 12 (laughs) yeah I don't know but it was just like I think what it is is I used to have a lot of dreams like uh, nightmare panic dreams like that where I had to like count a large amount of numbers or like Mm. it's just like I think it's just like yeah the concept of like a lot of things yeah yeah that like gets me scared or something I don't know yeah um I like uh, a dream that I like that about was um uh like because so i'm you know bilingual i like speak korean and english right and like i literally uh dream um either in korean or in english or both Mm -hmm. a lot of the times and um but then it like gets kind of confusing sometimes because like people who i like like my parents will speak to me in english in my dreams sometimes but they don't do that in real life or something you know Mm -hmm. um but anyway so i had a nightmare once where like i had like a very like korean mythology like uh, ghost um come to my dream Whoa. like um it, like it was um it's like a murgishin kind of thing like where it's basically like um a story where uh a virgin girl like die oh like when virgin girls die in like korean like myth myths they like turn into like water ghosts and they like try to drag you through to oh the wa- water and they're always like wearing like a white humble because that's like what dead people wear and like and yeah. also they always have like long hair like like long hair that they've like grown out their whole life right like because that's the chosen dynasty like tradition thing so like um so they have like long hair like covering their faces or like it's all wet yeah. and like yeah, it's yeah. very horribly. Yeah. And anyway, so like and basically their whole like reason for like staying in this realm is that they dive died um without having sex <laughs> right and so that's like they're like they're like biggest like gr- grudge or, like grudge yeah so, that would like, suck yeah that would suck so anyways uh well i mean oftentimes it's also like it's implied that it's like male violence anyways so um but um like i had one of those ghosts like appear in my dream and like was like yelling at me really scarily but she was talking in english right <laughs> like she was like it was yelling at me in english 
but then like in a very like Korean like right, appearance. Right. And then I was so scared in the dream. Like I was also like uh, waking up in cold sweat, like hyperventilated. Right. And then I uh, realized I was like, why was she speaking in English? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's actually such a funny imagery. Yeah, that makes no sense. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. Anyways, dreams are wild. Um, I know it's also like uh, apparently it's like it's like Jupiter and Pisces. Jupiter went into Pisces, so that's why everyone's dreams are wild or something. But yeah, yeah. low key, my dreams have been like making me feel unsafe, but that's okay. Oh no! <laughs> I literally so one of my dreams, I was um, you know how I have that like pink pepper spray that my dad gave me? Ah uh, yes, yes. Um. So my dad gave me a pink pepper spray, like like keychain thing, kind of. Yeah, it's not the spray that's pink, but like yeah, the bottle. Yeah, is it's pink. pink. Yeah, it's it's quite cute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but for some reason, like I had a dream that someone was attacking me, and the only reason that like I was able to get away from them is like because I sprayed them with the pepper spray. Okay. Um, and so then I just like had like I got woke up and I was just like really scared and I felt like super unsafe in my bed and then now I've like started sleeping with the pepper spray next to my bed. <laughs> I don't know why. I've been like I feel like my dreams are all just like someone attacking me and so like I feel like oh, I've been feeling like unsafe, but not like in like a strong way, just in a like subtle way. I don't know why. Maybe we should do a banishing ritual after this. I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean it's not a bad thing for you to like sleep near a weapon no no crazy, i mean but, but like, like not, not that you feel the need to yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah i don't know yeah i don't know i thought i also like was like half awake half asleep so i like a part of me like thought it was like a sign i was like oh my god i'm gonna be attacked i need to get the paper served right now you oh know which it like definitely like wasn't but like you know yeah anyways um something i've been thinking about um a lot lately is um uh is this for this person on um tiktok like uh like said it in this like video and it encapsulated what i was like kind of like thinking of before but in like way better like more like simpler language i guess Mm -hmm. um but she said you're happy not because you get the thing you're happy not because you got what you wanted, but because your mind relaxed around wanting it. Mm. And so it was like, it's really like the absence of the wanting that like is a part of what the happiness is. And I don't know, I've been thinking a lot about um, I don't know, I've been thinking a lot about how like in the past, like the different ways that I have like I guess like manifested things or even like shifted timelines in some way and like what was like the process of that happening like the, the times that I did it like knowingly and unknowingly and um something that like I I really uh think about was like when I was in um when I was in um, 10th grade, I convinced myself I had social anxiety. Okay. <laughs> and, like, okay, mainly, okay, for the context, I, like, freshly um, moved to Canada mm. after being abroad for a really, really long time. I was just in, I was in Shanghai in 9th grade, and I moved to Canada in 10th grade, and 
I feel like I just like went to a really preppy uh, private school in Canada. And so it was just like people were not very friendly. And like it was just like very difficult to make friends. And anyways, so <laughs> I swear this is getting to a point. <laughs> but oh, yeah, I, so. I convinced myself I had social anxiety just because I feel like people around me were like kind of like mean. But I like really embodied that reality in the sense that like I was like constantly worried about like talking to people I was like constantly like anyone like I was like constantly and I was also like really like making the fact that like I was like identifying myself with social anxiety as like a real problem like I was like constantly trying to like fix it um Mm. and really desiring to not have social anxiety like yeah and like all these different things and like wanting that different reality yeah and then I was thinking about like jump forward to myself in 12th grade Mm. um when I feel like I was like extremely confident didn't have any trouble trouble asserting myself or talking to people and I feel like I was like thinking I was like how did I like move from a state in which I was like terrified to talk to literally anyone and was living in this like I guess like paradigm of social anxiety Mm. to like um completely it not being a problem at all you know Mm -hmm. and I was thinking a lot about this idea of like I guess like you know what happiness really is and what shifting timelines really is is the like relaxing around like I was realizing that the main thing I did in like creating a new timeline for myself like pretty unknowingly at the time like I feel like I didn't know like extensively about this type of stuff Mm. but like was a like I stopped making like social anxiety a problem which is a really important part I was literally just like oh this isn't something that I need to fix Mm -hmm. and as soon as it became didn't become a problem to me then it became a lot like it that reality became a lot denser because I was pouring less energy into it because I feel like when something's like a problem or even like if you think about like manifestation like manifestation like often comes in like a form of like problem solving in the sense that it's like oh I don't have money right now or I feel like financially unstable I want to manifest financial stability to fix that or like I don't like my life right now I have this shitty career I want to manifest a better job to fix that and so I think that like in the sense of like manifestation as like a problem solving thing I've just been thinking a lot around like not making the reality that you're shifting away from like a problem and how that's like a big part of like the process because I feel like hyper fixating on the problem was like a part of why I was even like um like in that paradigm in the first place um anyways and then the second thing that I did I feel like was like um make I feel like during like to that 2018 time it was like the high time for like the social justice Mm. woke warriors of Instagram and social media and so I feel like I really like embodied that character and I feel like that character was so the antithesis of like (laughs) you know like Like, you have to be like everything is a problem (laughs) no no I meant in the sense that like that person is like outspoken and like isn't Mm. afraid to like say what's right and like that type of stuff and I think like embodying that character really helped me 
because mm-hmm. the character was just like so the opposite anyways um i don't know what my point is but i'm that's just been something that i've been thinking about lately um how do you not make things problems also how to like create less like density around like not having what you want and how like that like mm. lack of attention that you put towards it is also a part of yeah the process yeah and like um that reminds me like the other day i saw also a tiktok that was like about um it was about like solar punk movies um interesting uh are you aware of the term solar punk or i can guess what it is but i don't know okay um basically it's like solar punk is like the kind of opposite similar thing of like cyberpunk and like cyberpunk is like um basically like dark uh kind of um dysphoric like uh mm-hmm. sci-fi movies and mm-hmm. stuff in or at least in the sense of movies um it is that so like um i can't remember like a dark sci-fi movie right now but i don't know like it's... the matrix yeah okay the matrix yeah um and like i am robot or something like that i forget <laughs> it's, i don't know um like any kind of like machines are gonna take over the take over the world and like this and like blah blah, blah kind of like um sci-fi futuristic films and then solar punk is like the opposite which is like um also sci-fi films but like in a imagining a happier new world way um and like imagining a possibility that is like a lot more (laughs) optimistic and um like seeing uh machines is not like just this enemy also um and yeah and then i was like looking at all the like comments that were like recommending like solar punk movies and then i realized that i had watched like all of them Mm. (laughs) like it's like uh the robinsons or like um hmm wait there was another one that i forget it was another animated movie, but yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, The Robins is such an underrated movie. That's really It is good. a really underrated movie. Yeah, it's so good. It's also very camp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, like, really ridiculous. Um, mm. But anyways, um, yeah, and then, like, one comment was saying, like, because, um, like, the common, like, criticism to solar punk and, like, supporting of cyberpunk is that, like, cyberpunk is just more realistic because that's how the world is going or something like that, you know? And, um, uh, one comment was saying, like, well, the reason why we think that this is realistic is because we just keep, like, making more cyberpunk movies that are really dark and, like, uh, ominous, and then people just believe that that is also, like, we're feeding into this reality, that Mm -hmm. this is where the world's going, the world is going, um, instead of, like, imagining new features. Yeah. Okay, do we want to talk about cheer now? Yeah, sure. Mm Um, okay, what are your, I don't even know where to start. Um, well, okay, well, I think, sorry. Uh, to begin, I think like we should 
probably say like um ty watched cheer season one when it came out and then mm-hmm. watched season two when it came out just this past january um was, and shelly watched uh, cheer season one and two in the last like three weeks i would mm-hmm. say yeah two three weeks yeah um so there's like some context in like how we yeah it. yeah it. yeah and okay. i feel like especially with like i guess like the spoilers that i got about it or it's not spoilers like the real, real life, life events yeah, like, events like, in, like yeah so like i feel like i was interacting with season one a lot differently um yeah and definitely. yeah so maybe i i think i want to talk about like just cheer as a show a little bit first right like not just season two because we right. are going to talk about season two but like i feel like right just overall ones. yeah um, um, yeah. The the well, first time I watched yeah. it was in um, it was right before the start of COVID. I remember like it was it. I don't know when it aired. It it was either January or like beginning of February twenty twenty in the winter. Mm-hmm. It, it went on Netflix, and I remember it was all the rage. All of my roommates were watching it at the time. I was watching it. Um, Oh my god like it is so loud right now it's also like it's a sunday it's literally a sunday <laughs> i hate when people do construction on a sunday it's, it's so yeah i it's... was actually even thinking sorry this is a side, side note but like um you know how like i think stores are still closed on sundays right now except for like grocery stores i don't know if that's still happening covid restrictions i don't know um but like i was like thinking today like maybe that can just continue. <laughs> I was like, I was like, maybe it's okay that sort that like, we don't the, work Sundays. The, yeah, that everyone doesn't work Sundays or go to stores like uh, yeah Sundays because like, Jesus because Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just like I don't know. It's the, no, yeah. It's, you need a day of rest yeah. for the Lord. Yeah, or for you just, to contemplate the Lord. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm using it for. <laughs> <laughs> Once this is finished, I'm gonna go right back to contemplating the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, cheer season one. You watched it. Yeah. Roommates were watching it. It was beginning. So beginning. Um, beginning of quarantine or before quarantine, and yeah, like I just remember, it was such a fun show. I think that it was like a world that I feel like. I would never interact with or oh, yeah. think about like ever. <laughs> I also found it was like quite um, complex socially, like in mm-hmm. terms of the different intersecting class aspects, racial aspects, um, queerness. Like, I just felt like there was a lot like going on, and I feel like the the team was varied in terms of like the way that they're um existing in america and so it's just like interesting seeing all those dynamics at play um yeah those were my initial thoughts on yeah them. for me it was like well also like the whole you know these are people or like a universe that i would never like interact with that was really interesting to me but also what stood out to me the most is like just like the narrative storytelling yeah because it's like it's almost a little it's definitely a little evil and i'll like get into that as well but like it's just mm-hmm. the the creators really storytell so well um yeah and like um they like show it in very like verbal and non-verbal ways in yeah the moments and stuff and i think it's also because like i've never really watched 
um a docu-series before yeah and like i'm not really a documentary person in general but like i feel like also like a docu-series that isn't like um just like i don't know like going into this mystery of a case or something for a whole season like uh it hasn't really been done before you know like like a docu-series following like um, multiple people, like, I feel like it's definitely life. been done before, but... I don't know, like, it's definitely been done before, but I feel like it's not, it's not really common, I don't know, like, or the way that it's, like, it's almost like they're treating them as, like, characters is But I mean, the whole premise of, like, mockumentaries, like, The Office and stuff like that are, like, built on mimicking... Yeah, but they're still, like, docuseries, like, those that, like, go through the real-life stories of, like, people over time. Hmm. I don't know. I guess I've just like not never come across it yourself. Yeah. I I and I also don't think like them they like even like got popular as cheer. You know, like I feel like most uh, of the like big docu series have been like um like cases or something cases or like right I don't know sure. Britney Spears or something like that mm-hmm. and stuff and like. I don't know. I guess it's... Yeah, it's definitely because I also didn't see it, but I feel like it's, it's like... It was my first time seeing, like, people treating yeah. these people as, like, characters right, going through yeah. their life as a story. Yeah. And there's something, like, really interesting about that because it's, like... Um, I don't know. It's definitely, like, kind of dark at some points, too, because they will, like, kind of foreshadow things in this person's life that is, like tragic in like a previous episode and then it's just like i don't know it's quite dark yeah and yeah. like especially like um also especially- for people that don't know if we didn't even like give a synopsis on what cheer is about cheer yeah. follows um well the first season follows navarro cheer team navarro community college cheer team as they um are heading to daytona which, which is, is the, basically the big, like, the big competition yeah. For colleges and universities all over um, all over the country to um, perform and get awards and etc. Um, and the weird part about like cheer um, is that cheer does not really have like a, a professional sports element. Like they, it, it mainly stops at the university and college level. And so, so a lot of these people who are, like, performing Daytona, like, these are the stakes. Like, Daytona is kind of, like, one of their chances to kind of, you know, perform on the stage um, with the sport that they love. And usually after that or after they finish their time at uh, Navarro Community College, that's kind of, like, their career is kind of over in cheer. Like, there's not much beyond that. Like, yeah. the people who, like, cheer at, like, football games, like, Texas cheerleaders or whatever those are like more dancers than they are cheerleaders these people are like tumblers or like really intense athletes you know like Like, stunters like ripped yeah (laughs) looking like like literally (laughs) flying in the air like no like the whole um documentary too was just me being like amazed at how jacked these people are like Mm -hmm. they're just like absolutely so strong like like incredible athletes it's actually insane what these people can do like tumbling yeah the whole thing they do pyramids all of it everything that you imagine from what's that movie cheer um 
like bring it on bring it on bring it on yeah yeah Yeah, bring it on is definitely not well i mean they even mentioned they were like "Uh, this is not bring it on this is this is cheers (laughs) (laughs) and it's like yeah if you watch bring it on there it's mostly just kind of dancing yeah right yeah yeah Yeah. um but yeah i think what we kind of um wanted to get into was as so season one dropped yeah and i remember like the whole buzz at the time too um everyone like the the instagrams and social medias of the people who were like featured within the show Mm. prominently started blowing up Mm. um and they slowly started getting all these different um like appearances to go on like ellen and to meet oprah and like just all of this like brand deals like brand deals like vogue photo shoots yeah all of this crazy fun stuff and so one person on the team was already initially famous like gabby butler she was pretty Mm -hmm. famous within the cheer world because i think she made like youtube videos and stuff like that like since she was little and stuff Mm -hmm. um so she's like a big role model i feel like for a lot of little little cheer girls yeah um but everyone else was pretty pretty anonymous and like Mm -hmm. not like known and then obviously after the show um they started blowing up and around that same time um a lot of shit went down. Um, yeah. I think that's an understatement. Also, yeah, I, I was forgot to do this, but obviously there's going to be a content warning before all of this. We will be talking about Jerry and uh, child sexual abuse very lightly. Like, we're not going to get into details. Yeah, I don't think so. But just going to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so the whole Jerry thing happened, which basically Jerry was one of... Uh, the prominent members on season one he was one of the most loved i would say yeah he was just like pre- presented by the documentary as like very sweet very likable very likable like kind yeah. um and basically just like stuff started coming out towards the beginning of covid um about him basically uh soliciting nudes from young underage boys he was probably 21 22 at the time um and these boys were anywhere from 13 to 15 so young mm-hmm. and um soliciting yeah so soliciting nude photos and then also he uh, having sex um with at least one of them so quite intense and asking to have sex and asking to have sex yeah yeah so quite intense stuff um started happening and then that obviously just created a lot of chaos around Mm -hmm. navarro cheer around all the people on the show um and a bunch of stuff like that um yeah, so that's my, like, quick recap. I don't even know where to start with this. There's yeah, so much. And, I mean, there's so much because it's, like, there's Jerry. There's also, like, um, well, season two also, like, basically covers the pandemic or, like, they them going through the pandemic because um, they, like, are preparing for the new Daytona and then, like, they just get stopped by the pandemic. It was like 13 days before Daytona or something when the pandemic started, right? And Yeah, so this, yeah. when season one dropped, season one dropped in January, and around that same time, they were filming, filming for season two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's really 
interesting because like throughout the season one like you're getting just kind of like the lives of all these different people and it is very in that kind of like storytelling way as you were saying that um and it kind of became formulaic at times where they mm. would just be like highlight on this person now background let's, story now let's tell their tragic background yeah. story and how they got here and then it would like kind of like carry on and then move on to the next person and they would kind of just like follow follow mm-hmm. this model and it, i mean the stories were really incredible you know where yeah. people um attributed cheer for really um getting them to where they are today and like getting them out of really um really tough circumstances mm-hmm. um i was even thinking too about um how like a lot of and this was also one of the foreshadows that they put in <laughs> um season two which was like people you know would oftentimes talk about especially people who came from really difficult either like poor class backgrounds um really tumultuous home lives would always just be like cheer is like the only place where i could go to it was the only thing place that i had stability Mm -hmm. you know in my life and you know like um yeah the only place that i could like learn that and this this one girl said it in season two that like no matter like where I was living like who I was living with at the time I always knew that at this time I would go to cheer every single morning Mm -hmm. like I had this one thing to count on in my life and stability of a community and especially the coaches who would often substitute in for like a parental figure a lot of times when like a parental figure was lacking Mm -hmm. and so these the cheer was really like these people's lives and just something that they depended on, you know, for self-esteem, for stability, for discipline, like, things that they, like, rarely had in their home lives. Yeah, and, like, um, I think one girl in season one also said that, like, living in, like, Navarro Community College, like, the dorms, like, for two years was the longest that she's lived anywhere, like, anywhere, and that was really crazy, and also, like, um, in season two, um, they uh like the place that like i think it was like d and angel like um uh uh, like went to um in georgia was like a cheer center that was created specific like a kind of like i guess like low budget no like i guess like affordable or free like cheer center like a gym like uh created specifically to like literally get kids um like out from I guess like trouble and specifically like black kids and, yeah like, the black community yeah so I guess like trouble insinuates like also it's like a black owned gym like yeah in some way yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah no it's like the black person starting the gym and it's like I guess like when they say trouble they mean like anything from like just like little fights to like literal yeah. gym violence or like drug addiction and things like that yeah. too. so yeah. it's like yeah it's quite it's interesting how like um I mean, obviously, it's been, like, a, a thing where, like, people will create, like, like dance programs or cheer programs or, like, some kind of athletic program or not athletic program to, to like, as a way to, like, um, I guess, like, rehabilitate communities and stuff. Um, yeah. That's interesting. And, like, I think that that was, like, a huge aspect of the film, too. I would say almost... Would you say like half though? I could, maybe not half the team. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like more than half of the people who were like prominent in the in the docu series, I feel like had 
those like backgrounds tragic background stories and like needed cheer as like a uh i don't know like a um but yeah i mean like i'm sure you you thought this too and like obviously it's the more complex issue than just me saying this but like obviously when you hear like um whether it's like the uh like black people on the team or just like all of them with this tragic backstory like um you're like and they're like oh cheer saved me or like if without cheer i wouldn't be here today like literally like you know like implying suicide and things like that like um and uh, stuff like that and then you just kind of keep thinking like what you need is not cheer but therapy yeah like yeah (laughs) and like obviously it's great that they have cheer and that like cheer you know like at um like especially in like on the grounds like um like when you're talking about like community rehabilitation like if uh things like cheer can be like a faster way of like uh, yeah uh, keeping kids out of yeah yeah uh, out of trouble like uh, rather than like (laughs) giving therapy to everyone (laughs) like yeah um but it's just like um it is quite a lot because it's like um yeah you just kind of see how uh these people after these like two three years in the community college are you gonna just completely lose their structure? In yeah, life? and it's interesting too because they kind of did show people who, especially in season two, they yeah. showed people who left Cheer, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, a lot of people just were kind of saying that it's hard that it's just like that was your whole life for literally since you were a child mm-hmm. for so long, and now just losing this like element of yourself, like you really have to like sit with yourself and your problems now because there's yeah. nothing else to like yeah like you to throw yourself into yeah the way the um the assistant coach who had to leave in season two i forget his name um put it was like so well which is that like like people enter cheer with a hole in their heart and then uh cheer fills that hole but then when you leave cheer the hole's still there yeah you have to contend with that yeah totally um where do I want to go from here? Yeah, so... Okay, yeah. So season two was really, really interesting because where season one, I feel like... It was intense because it was like... Um, they were getting ready to go to Daytona. They were preparing their routine. And these people, like, when they... When they, like, prepare their routine to go to this big competition, like, it is, like, rigorous. Like, mm-hmm. it is, like, blood, sweat, and tears, vomit, literally... <laughs> Like, like literally. literally be like oh it takes people like throwing up into like trash cans yeah. like literally insane like they will put their bodies to the absolute most like train mm-hmm. every single day twice a day sometimes and so that they can make this routine perfect and the thing about Navarra cheer is that they are like the reigning champions yeah um them and uh trinity trinity valley community college who are kind of like neck and neck which trinity valley community college was not featured in season one but then gets featured in season two Mm -hmm. um and so a lot of the athletes that come are like the top athletes in cheerleading um and they come to navarro because navarro is winners we haven't even talked about monica yet (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yeah and i was gonna say too like like when we were talking about the whole you don't need cheer, you need therapy thing. Like, it's like, 
like Monica is just put on so much pressure like yeah, I so like Monica I, is yeah. um the head coach mm-hmm. at Navarro Cheer yeah she invented the girl boss <laughs> canonically <She's>, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah she is girl boss to the max she, yeah and she's not just like a coach to them she's like literally like she's a mother she's a teacher she's a tutor she's like a, a coach she's a coach she's a like i don't know a planner for them like like all of these things just yeah season two. yeah yeah no just, yeah because yeah. it's like so monica just like plays um yeah this huge role in a lot of these kids lives um mm-hmm. And she just, it's so funny because she has that perfect, like, almost, like, motherly presence in the sense because she has, like, this, like, she strikes this really good balance between, like, discipline, structure, Mm -hmm. like, very strict, like, in the way that, like, coaches are, but then also extremely empathetic and understanding and caring to the people on her team. Like, she genuinely cares for everyone Mm -hmm. and, like you know like supports them like in ways that go well beyond her duties as a coach yeah and so the bonds that like kind of people create within the team but also specifically with monica are like really insane and and then start to get like really really complex throughout um, the next season and anyway so season one was it was cute fun and light it was um like it was like intense because it was like they were focusing towards getting to their cheer competition but like i feel like it was a it was a pretty light and enjoyable show then once season two hit um yeah things got a lot more (laughs) traumatic yeah and um complicated and what was like super interesting about like season two i think was this element of that they kind of were discussing the kind of ramifications of season one dropping Mm -hmm. in the sense that you saw you saw people who were relatively unknown not relatively completely unknown Mm -hmm. in season one become celebrities overnight Mm -hmm. um a lot of like the first episodes of season one are really detailing these people's new lives you know like oh season two season two like um, Morgan, like meeting Morgan, who is one of um, the people in season one, a featured person in season one, meeting Kendall Jenner, yeah. like being on Ellen, just like them doing all this crazy stuff. Yeah. Jerry uh, interviewing Joe Biden, that was yeah. like more than but just like crazy, crazy, crazy stuff where they were now like these these mega celebrities and it was interesting because like you see this slowly devolve this like visibility that they get and their like excitement over the over this visibility slowly kind of disintegrate over time but it's like at first like at the peak of it all it's like you can tell that it's just this incredible exciting thing these are people who like come from really the middle of fucking nowhere usually and now have been given these incredible opportunities to be like essentially influencers a lot of in a yeah. lot of ways in the cheer world the the ca- camera crew team like follows them doing like mm-hmm. all these different commercials for yeah. like every fucking brand ever yeah. i love how they're just so unselective about the brands yeah too. like 
one girl's doing like a Buick commercial and then they do like a cake shop and they like <laughs> and they all like come and like take pictures there yeah um like as influencers yeah. um and you slowly see things like uh people needing agents mm-hmm. and um like a lot like they're a lot of season two is them training for Daytona again and so you see you see them um training but in the middle of training like Like, someone needs to talk to them because this like one big brand wants to do this deal with them and like all these different stuff or like they have to disappear to New York for like three days yeah to to do do, like interviews and like all this different stuff and so Mm -hmm. things are seem really exciting and then there's also becomes like this like increased um disparity within the team where you know like it as a documentary series you can only feature so many people's lives and stories at once and so it's like a select you on the team who I guess had the most tragic or slash interesting backstories yeah and also like more like I guess like prominence in the like the like the routine also like this kind of star athletes and stuff like yeah but it's like so there's like 40 people in the team and then 20 people on the mat which means like they're part of the routine and then there's like so then even like even amongst like the 40 and the 20 there were only maybe like I guess like 10 I don't want I, I can't really tell Ten, like yeah ish, a bit like, more maybe yeah. I don't know yeah like like but I feel like like maybe 10 that were like really focused on like in terms of like yeah. tra- tragic backstory and then like uh, I feel like maybe only like five people who are kind of just there to like comment on things in a way you know like yeah. occasionally interviewed to talk about like team drama or like someone someone else really yeah yeah totally um, um and so because, like, you can only feature so many people, it meant that the people that were featured most prominently were the ones that got famous. Mm-hmm. And so their lives kind of, like, drastically changed where you see kind of people. And they literally, like, did this, like, short... It was very interesting because they just popped it in there, but there wasn't a lot of commentary on it of, like, these, like, three people who I guess were also on yeah. the team last year that was, like, you know, we, like, weren't really featured, like, in, like, the show... Um, but you know, I guess every sh- they said something like every show needs its background people or something, and it was mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah, because it was like you 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 sense the kind of like contention with it too. Oh, definitely, because they were also like we're just here to cheer, not like do yeah publicity or something. Like yeah, that. Like, okay. like, yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so then as that kind of goes on and they're preparing for um daytona 2020 it it's it's just this weird like foreboding thing mm-hmm. where you slowly like at first it's all like fun and games and then you slowly start to become aware of like the date and you're like oh it's february 2020 and then yeah. you're like oh they're getting ready for daytona and then they did like a countdown to daytona so you're like Oh, Daytona is in this many days, and you're just like slowly over March. time, like and like <laughs> calculating together. You're like, wait a second, wait a yeah, second, you know. And, they, and then they start like showing news screens where it's like coronavirus is starting or something like that. And then they're like, oh, like a, a coronavirus is not gonna shut down Daytona, like. Oh no, yeah, and like things start circulating around the news, and you hear them just being like, oh my god, literally people are being so dramatic. Like, let's not focus mm-hmm. on conspiracy theories like yeah. let's just focus on cheering all this stuff and it's like so funny because i feel like 
they do sound very like obviously silly in retrospect but it's like that was also I feel like what everyone else was saying at the time and like what we were saying about COVID we were like Mm -hmm. oh my god people are being so dramatic right now like it's fine yeah or especially like there's no way that they're gonna cancel this big competition exactly or even like yeah like when things were happening at school I was like there's no way they're canceling McGill University I'm not going to say university. Yeah, we cut that out. Yeah, there's yeah. no way that the university is going to shut down. Yeah. Like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, everything just went down. And so, um, it's yeah. really, it was really horrible and tragic. You see them all preparing, like, extremely hard for this so competition. So extremely hard. Like, they're, like, so excited about this. And then the whole thing yeah. gets shut down right before they perform. And everyone just goes home. Yeah, yeah literally and then they said this like really like intense thing afterwards that was like you know like when people don't have the structure of like cheer you know like sometimes like bad things happen and it was supposed <gasps> yeah, to be yeah, like yeah. alluding to jerry and then they flashed to his face and it's just like oh my god yeah. could you be less subtle about this yeah no that's like like literally that's what i'm talking about with like cheer it's like also i was gonna say in season one like the last scene of season one too like it was like they i literally thought i was like watching euphoria or something for a second because they just like show like uh, like oh lexi got suspended or like got kicked out of the cheer team because of some trouble they didn't really like go into detail about it and then and then you just like they also are like oh like without structure lexi is gonna have a hard time or something and then you, you just see her going to a rave and it's like god damn it she can go to a rave she's literally legal to go to a rave and like okay, and lexi then, is also like, was one of the prominent members she was yeah. just like she was really cool like i feel yeah. like she was just a really good athlete and tumbler but she was like kind of the bad girl yeah I feel like, of the yeah series. she had like a very like dark past or something yeah and, like yeah. kind of like a rebellious streak a little mm-hmm. bit um but yeah it was just like and yeah, I just like those. There were so many moments where it was like, like season one last scene. You just see like Lexi at a rave, but then there's like a voiceover by like Monica or someone who are just like, yeah, she could go down a bad path or something. And then that's just how the season ends. And you're like, is did I just watch that one scene of Euphoria or something? And mm-hmm. yeah, anyways, and like yeah, in that in season two too, like they just like have little moments where they're just like uh, foreshadowing to like something or like showing this one as a moment i don't just yeah (laughs) that's i think that's why it's also like the storytelling feels a lot more like manipulated than a lot of documentary series i know documentaries are like very heavily manipulated but like um just there are just specific ways with cheer i think Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm and yeah so i guess um they had a whole episode about jerry um i was very interested i didn't even actually know that they were making a season two and as soon as i found out they were making a season two i was like oh my god are they gonna talk about jerry because it was a big fucking deal when all of that shit came out like i really remember it being like really it was really shocking it was really sad i think everyone obviously felt really like shook by it because mm. i think jerry was definitely portrayed and i think still is in a lot of ways like this like really 
sweet, like, kind-hearted mm-hmm. kid. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just, I, I think that, like, everyone was just, like, collectively struggling with how to hold those two truths at once. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so they had a whole episode titled Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> And which was I was surprised by that. I, I was surprised by that too. I definitely mm-hmm. like that they didn't completely like, blow over it or just mm-hmm. like exclude him from the season because in the earlier episodes of season two, like he is heavily like featured, like not like maybe like highlighted, but he is like heavily there. within the background. Like you see him, you see him and like a bunch of his other uh, teammates doing like cameos and stuff like that because it's like what like micro celebrities I feel like do these days yeah. to make money and like just doing all this like all, all this stuff and then yeah so basically in the Jerry episode I was really shocked about how far in they went mm-hmm. like they went in in like yeah a way that like I wasn't expecting I thought it would just be something like they'd be like okay this happened whatever but they not whatever but like you know yeah 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 um but they uh interviewed two of the survivors and, and their the, lawyer and the lawyer <laughs> and the survivor's mother mm-hmm. and basically asked almost everyone on the team who's prominently featured or like her his friends his friends like just intimately like how they felt about the situation Mm -hmm. and it was really heartbreaking like it was one of the most traumatic episodes i've ever watched um i think that it was a very like complicated situation in the sense that um Jerry is a gay black man um and I don't know about all of his survivors but the ones that were featured on the show were white mm-hmm. um and it's in Texas and like yeah yeah and so it was obviously like there was just this element of I don't even know how to talk about this. I remember when it all the stuff kind of came out around that, and I was feeling um, like without knowing like more further context, also without knowing any context, I feel like at first I was really, um, I guess perhaps bothered by the way that the media was treating this situation, Mm. um, in the sense that you know, like they were. The headlines were very, like, kind of sensationalized. Sensationalized, exactly. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there were some that were calling him, like, a rapist, which, obviously, that is true if you're having sex with someone who's... Yeah, statutory rape. It's statutory yeah. rape. Yeah. But I, I, I think, like, even the use of that, like, word, just, like, with this, like, black rapi- rapist, like, trope or, like, yeah. stereotype that is, like, dominant within society yeah. it just like felt very kind of unsettling to yeah. like witness the ways in which i the media was really sensationalizing the situation yeah um yeah that 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 being said um yeah or like yeah. even the word like um was it like soliciting child pornography was the word or yeah or making child no pornography? <laughs> like okay that's not funny yeah but. no i know i just like no because that's that is the distinction yeah, like, yeah it's like is, it's yeah. like soliciting they, they were like oh jerry forget his last name like uh uh, uh solicited child pornography from like uh i don't know yeah. 
people um that was like one of the headlines and it's like like i think like yeah like there were certain headlines where it's like um those words can mean a lot of different uh, things yeah and like obviously soliciting news from minors is child pornography but like the way that it's worded in that headline sounds like he's literally like making child pornography yes yes like and it's like which are like still two different things yeah yeah yeah, and again, like, this is, like, completely not to say that, like, yeah, yeah like, what he did was extremely fucked up, yeah, you know, like, yeah. I think that, of course, his survivors deserve justice mm-hmm. for, like, the trauma and abuse that was inflicted yeah. upon them, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was just, it, it felt complicated to me, and also in the sense that I think it really, like, opened, especially watching the whole episode, it opened up a lot of questions around you know, how do we treat people who cause harm? Um, mm-hmm. Like, what does restorative justice mean, mean in this sense? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, well, stuff like that. Well, the thing is, like, um, th- like again, it's, like, two truths can be true, where it's, like, yeah. um, this is still going to be a more, like, racialized issue. Like, yeah. like necessarily, um, yeah. Like, necessarily. Like, I don't know much about law, so I don't know if, like, um like uh they were saying like jerry could face up to like 15 years in prison or something like that if uh if like um convicted convicted and um i don't know if that's like a harsher charge than like what a white person with the same like um like i guess doings like uh would face or not but But even thinking about like um, brock turner and stuff like that who what did he go to jail for like three months or something yeah (laughs) um yeah, so I... While having, like, a full-ass, like, okay, witness. yeah, that's yeah. what I mean, like, that I don't know. But, um, yeah, so it's, like, as, na- like, as the nature of, like, what it, um, the case is, like, he is still gonna face, like, more mistreatment. Um, yeah, like, so right now yeah. he's... Uh, in jail. In jail. He's not in prison. He's still awaiting trial. Yeah. Um, it's been like a year or two. It's been a while, which is or just a whole other conversation about <laughs> the U.S. justice system. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so within the show, I think, oh God, I think what was most like heartbreaking about all of this is I feel like I understood where everyone was coming from equally yeah, and also like felt like everyone's reactions to things were valid in the sense that like so one of who someone who was the lawyer for um the two boys they were twins who were survivors of jerry um uh she was talking um basically just like about the situation and she was like quite adamantly like wanting him to be imprisoned like she like was adamantly like saying that these people need justice that everyone who is friends with him should like basically make comments like publicly publicly denouncing him and that child sexual abuse of course is like not okay in any circumstance and we need to you know like like put in like stronger measures especially within and then it became a whole conversation around Uh, cheer yeah and around like sports in general yeah um and at first i was kind of just like wow like this seems very like i mean like 
obviously, but also like just in terms of the ways that she was like kind of asking or like wanting every single person who was close to him to completely denounce him. Like for, for me, that felt heavy handed in the sense that I was like, oh, there's so many complex relationships here. Like they've known him yeah. for so long and have loving friendships with him. So that this is like a shock. And I don't think them being able to fully denounce them would be possible at this point yeah and so but at the same time i like realized um and it was like revealed throughout the episode that um this person who is a lawyer is one of the survivors um mm-hmm. I forgot his fucking name good because he doesn't deserve to have his name said but but it's a gymnastics like, a gymnastics uh, uh physiotherapist yeah. um who's like very famous in public trial of the sexual abuse of dozens and dozens and dozens of, of his, people like, of his athletes yeah of his yeah. athletes mm-hmm. um and so in that sense it was just like even like that intense reaction that she kind of like gave yeah. to this like makes it was sense, like yeah. it makes sense and it's mm-hmm. like you see the way that like you know she's really obviously has so there's this is so personal to her and she carries so much childhood trauma from like the abuse that she endured and of course she wouldn't want anyone else to yeah endure the same abuse and so that is then it was like yeah i understood that and then there was other reactions where you know gabby butler who we're talking about before what made a really um i guess more controversial comment that um she obviously she was literally like she was also in tears during this interview which kind of like gave a lot of like i don't know it felt invasive at times like especially like the questions that the interviewers were asking to her um but she was kind of just talking about how she felt like she was mourning this person Mm. that she knew and at the same time was um kind of just said that she couldn't turn her back on him yeah and yeah, which is a pretty big statement to say against someone who is really convicted of child yeah. sexual abuse right now. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like I understood that reaction as well. Yeah. And then there's people like Ladarius, who we'll talk about later, but yeah. was best friends with Jerry, who is completely like, completely was like, you know, fuck him. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. Especially um, with Ladarius also being a survivor of, of similar circumstances abuse. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um when he was a kid yeah mm-hmm. so <sighs> yeah yeah it, i i feel like so my thoughts on like um that uh episode or sp- okay so specifically so what i was gonna say earlier also it's like yeah the two truths can be um yeah true that like yes a black gay man can still like like facing trial in this way can still be like treated racialized and yeah yeah totally but at the same time obviously that his survivors are not less like valid yeah that, exactly, you know exactly yeah. Um, and yeah and i think like honestly yeah i feel like it with that lawyer um I didn't really like what she said, to be honest. Um, But I obviously also understand where she was coming from with all of her, like, past. Um, uh, But, like, specifically because... And I think, like, the documentary creators also, like, sent um, stand on a similar point or, like, was trying to say a similar thing where, like, they said, like... uh, They showed, like, the lawyer saying, like, 
well they specifically asked her like do you feel sympathy for monica who because like a lot of people were asking online um to monica like to publicly denounce him and that her taking time for herself to like mourn um, think about uh, it to think about it was like her like being cowardly like her being like um like you know just like in a way even like supporting jerry yeah by being silent by being silent or but it's also important to note that and they were talking about this in the documentary that Mm. the first time she found out about jerry and like what he did um was she was like uh, she became a contestant on Dancing with the Stars because she got famous for cheer and she's mm-hmm. always wanted to be on Dancing with the Stars. So it was this really sweet moment of like her doing this thing. But mm-hmm. she found out about Jerry just as she was going to go on for her first performance <laughs> on Dancing with the Stars. And live. Live too. performance. <laughs> and like this, like, um, like a, a head person at uh, Dancing with the Stars like came up to her with a yeah. phone and like showed her like a Twitter article and was like, have you seen this? Yeah. And Literally she minutes was just, before. minutes, and she was just like, what? like her whole world just collapsed yeah. and then she had to like perform. And so it's just like, it was incredibly like unnerving, disorienting, mm-hmm. like shocking, like it if it, it felt yeah unfair for her not to get a second to process like yeah. what the fuck just happened and it was also like because you know obviously a big part of people like criticizing her was also that people believed that you know because monica was so uh such a big part of all of these athletes lives like in a like like we said like even motherly way um that like basically how could she have not known or how yeah. could she have like uh, even let this happen let this happen yeah. like like picked up on things or something yeah. like that yeah. and um and like and that was something that all of like the old friends were also talking about too but we'll get into that but um yeah and and even the lawyer was also saying like um not that i don't think the lawyer was like uh, she would have known or something like that but i think like um uh, uh, like she was saying basically like uh, as a responsible adult like like or a responsible adult thing to do is to publicly denounce someone who has done this thing and also apologize for any like yeah. part in it that like yeah, um, yeah. that Monica would have been a, been responsible for like um, and I don't know that's such a complicated issue because I feel like you know like I I don't think like it's a lie when like Monica says that she didn't know and and I and but I also think there are cases when like you know it's uh I guess like people in higher authorities of these like structures do are, have, aware, of uh, are yeah. aware of something happening or like are supposed to be responsible um and I think it's also because we've seen especially in season one like so much of like monica knowing so much about their lives like meticulously right like uh, that it's kind of hard to believe that she would not have known in a way mm-hmm. um because like she knew about like like lexi's like uh, troubles with like the um like her like ch- childhood n- nudes like going around on the internet in season one she knew about like someone even being just like a little off like in their mood like she knew about someone's home life like you know like so it's like uh it's kind of hard to believe in a way but it's also like that can obviously happen i don't know it's just yeah and like i feel like the whole structural because then the episode kind of became about 
these structural questions of mm-hmm. child sexual abuse happening within professional athletics or like just within athletics and sports overall yeah. and like the lack of regulation and monitoring and protection yeah. that these children often got and and how specifically also like in in sports like it's so common for an adult and a child to be on the same team right. or or just like close to each There's other like contact like yeah them. yeah like uh, either between a coach and a team a teammate or like a uh, between teammates even like they pointed out like this one team that had like a 30 year old and a 13 year old in the same team like, like yeah physiotherapists yeah. coaches people that are engaging very mm-hmm. intimately with your body mm-hmm. in that way like there's just a lot of like room for like misconduct yeah, yeah. and anyways and so but I, I, what i was interested in was like because i think that they were what they were really bringing up is like this question of power and i think the survivors were really discussing you know because after season one jerry had this new form culture new this new mode of cultural capital like he was or even before like she was he was very liked within he was very liked but he didn't have like power in the way that like he had in terms of like yeah in season two like he was known throughout the cheer community like he was jerry harris like he was like this big figure that people looked up to that people wanted to take photos with um all this different stuff and so a lot of these a lot um his survivors were kind of like citing the fact that they were like it felt very scary to go against someone who felt like who had all this fame and like really wielded all this power and so i was like interested in that because it was like quite complex because it was like jerry had power but also he didn't in a lot of ways and Mm -hmm. in the sense that like I feel like a lot of these different like misconduct claims, like even like Larry Nassar that we we're talking about the um, the gymnastics uh, physiotherapist, like he like had a position of power in yeah. the sense that, like he was in like a position of power, and I was just wondering too that like if Jerry wasn't didn't become famous, like would this have happened in the same way? Even in the fact that like like. Like, him believing that he had the power to get away with something like this. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think it actually started before Cheer Season 1, though, actually, I think, when they talked about it. Well, the two twins were talking about it as in, like, they knew him and they knew who he was. Like, when he, like, first messaged them, they're like, oh, yeah, like, we knew Jerry, like, blah, blah, blah. No, but I think it was, like, they also knew him from, like... Uh, like like Jerry was also kind of just like a known person in the like all star cheer community, like community, too. like in the beginning at least. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but yeah, um, I know what you mean though. Um, that it's like more about the power of like being known as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, and I think it was like. I am sure that's also like like when he's just like a liked person in the all star community. Like maybe it would have been uh, easier to, like. Uh, like call him out about it basically uh whereas like i think what they were saying too is that like if they had talked about it like or when they did talk about it actually like initially like before they went to a whole like lawyer situation like um uh a lot of people around them literally were like uh giving them like dirty looks in the gym or like or in the hallways of like a competition like everyone was like those are the twin twins that are like making allegations against jerry like they didn't believe him uh, believe them you know yeah so i think yeah um but it is it's yeah yeah and Um, i don't know and i mean even just like departing from jerry harris and talking mm -hmm. about like kind of 
the fame and visibility of all the different people on the team and how that devolved. I think Monica had a really rough time in season two. Jesus Christ. Um, like when season two, like the first scene opens, like, and you just, it's like the first scene is literally just like Monica being interviewed and like, um, and then, and she's like, also for some reason wearing all black also to just match the theme. And she's like, just looks traumatized, like, no, and guarded, you know, like, she's just like, it's been a hard year. Like, <laughs> no, like, yeah. you just see the way, like, Monica, like, is throughout the season really change. And, like, she yeah. just, like, looks, like, weighed down and, yeah. like, just, like, completely, like, like, destroyed like yeah. it's just and you can even see how like like there were moments where she was like you know yelling at the team about something and you can kind of like hear from the base like based on like all of the things that we know going on in her life outside of the cheer team like that like she's kind of projecting onto the cheer team when she's yelling at them too yeah, like about like her own life um and just yeah but yeah so you know you you, you see them kind of like deal and work with their newfound fame and like monica too who's like the coach mm-hmm. got like a huge following from mm-hmm. from the show and became this like icon you mm-hmm. know and she has a book out too actually oh my god it's called full out she's literally girl boss i've never <laughs> met someone that is more girl boss i also like i ha- i don't understand how like all through all of this trauma she also found time to write a book maybe she's like a low-key author i mean i'm I sure someone like helped her write it yeah. like she's not a writer but yeah mm-hmm um but anyways um yeah so she you know like all this stuff went down she got this new following it it starts off great right like she has this new following everyone loves her she's got this like uh dancing with the stars she yeah she got dancing with the stars reached out to her to like be on their show she loves dancing with the stars this is a huge opportunity she's doing Mm -hmm. interviews with literally everyone that's big in the entertainment industry like it seems like exciting and like Mm -hmm. things are really looking up for her and then just slowly all these different things start to happen like obviously like covid overall is just like hard on anyone but then the jerry thing happens she gets so much backlash Mm -hmm. in relation to that um or even in relation to every anything that she posts really or or people (coughs) yeah yeah yeah, okay (coughs) but yeah and then she like you you see her slowly just like that that other side of visibility and being known like you see that like she yeah starts to get like hate comments for the littlest of things like people start nitpicking her and picking her apart Mm -hmm. and like you know she has this one line where she was like if i wear a mask then everyone or like she was like if i post a picture from like a few years ago and i'm not wearing a mask then people say that i'm a super spreader event (laughs) and then if i post a photo wearing a mask people say i'm like brainwashed and like yeah you know whatever and so she's just like i feel like i can't win um and it's yeah it's really traumatic to watch like she just and then so ladarius um incredible athlete and cheerleader Mm -hmm. um he's definitely like very hot tempered um and he kind of like has that like he's known for being hot tempered like throughout Mm -hmm. like kind of the show yeah and slowly over season two with he he him and monica have a relationship that's like mother and son like they are extremely Mm -hmm. close beyond just like a coaching relationship and so when Monica leaves for Dancing with the Stars, Ladarius starts to feel, like, incredibly abandoned by her. Um, 
Because yeah. and so Monica isn't there actually to coach the team for a while. For a while. For a few months. And so, you know, he's feeling incredibly abandoned by her and he eventually quits the team and starts like basically spreading lies and just hate like, stuff so, about her. Like going on Instagram lives. All over just the internet. To, tweets. Just to like thing. shit talk and stuff and like yeah. Yeah. And it's extremely hard for her you know you see her slowly just and then obviously because of the hate comments that are the stuff that ladarius is saying when everyone hates her even more yeah and it's chaos yeah it's it's chaos and well okay so i think like something that i saw the documentary was trying to do is that they were talking about the ladarius like drama slash like his kind of mindset like at this uh in the same episode as like them talking about jada's growth um and jada is like jada is um a cheerleader on cheerleader trinity. on Trin- trinity valley's community college and she's also a black girl and i feel like that was kind of intentional to like compare ladarius a black gay man to like a black girl i think i don't know i think th- that's you think there's a comparison between the two of them yeah in the same episode because i feel like there was a reason why they put their stories in the same episode. I'm going to go through it. Okay, so, like, because I feel like what they were trying to show is that, well, they showed, like, the drama between, like, about Ladarius, about how, like, Ladarius has always been quite, like, hot-tempered and, like, um, maybe a little immature with, like, dealing with his uh, emotions and, like, or maybe feeling kind of insecure and, like, blowing out things a little bit more, uh, blowing up things more. Um, And and I feel like... uh, what they were doing is that like Ladarius like compared to the um year before like season one like um it, or like 2020 to 2021 like um that he was he the like hot temperedness the immaturity or like things like that like in season one and like 2020 like people were like we still love Dar- Ladarius but he does this you know but then like you kind of see how like in 2021 with all of his like Twitter, Instagram, live stuff. Like, and he has a following he, Yeah, he now. has a following now, like, that he's, like, public about it, and he's, like, really kind of, like, taken it to up a notch. And, um, and that, like, you know, people are starting to lose patience with him, that he, uh, the people who loved him before, and that it's, like, not as acceptable anymore. Um, and I th- uh, think also, like, <laughs> what I see with, like, Ladarius is in the way that he talks a lot, it, a lot is that, he the like problem with our generation using like therapy and like spiritual language to like basically just justify our own self-centered like insecurities in a way Mm -hmm. you know because it's like the way that he talks is like um like anytime when anyone like criticizes him for like the way that he talks he's just like well i'm just saying facts or i'm just like being true and like most (laughs) iconic lines (laughs) yeah was he was like so basically there's like a big like deal about making mat which basically yeah. means you get to perform at daytona and the people who don't make mat don't mm-hmm. get to perform at daytona so it's like kind of a big deal even yeah. though they're still on the team mm-hmm. and so he's this like iconic line where he's like well you know like if i take your spot and you don't make mat then just do better than me <laughs> like he was like i'm like he was like i'm amazing at this and if you want to like get it be better than me yeah yeah honestly that i do think that he has he's justified to say that but like yeah he's, yeah. he's incredible yeah. and then also <laughs> like 
that is just the the way that like on the mat off the mat works like yeah. yeah but but i feel like more i'm talking more about the way that where like people are like you can't just say that or like you're being mean or something like that and he's just like i'm saying facts which is like oh god <laughs> um or like or even like the way like when they were showing clips from his like, instagram lives or things like that she, he's always like um like i'm just speaking my truth like i've always been silenced like now yeah. i'm just like you know speaking my truth like, yeah like i'm yeah. like you know all this talk about like like you know boundaries like and like yeah. and like you know like, um kind of yeah and like all of this like again like therapy language of like uh but like the misuse of like therapy language of like in a way to like just justify yourself and justify and like kind of stay a victim you know really yeah like totally. um and yeah like i can see that with Darius a lot and but I think like so what I mean by them making a comparison with Jada is that is I feel like because Jada and Ladarius in like the 2020 like um uh, footages like they're quite similar in personality in that they're both like loud and they're both like like but I feel like uh, Jada isn't mean. Jada isn't mean, but there are but they do show clips of her like similarly like uh talking to her teammates like you need to show up you need to like do better yeah. like blah, blah blah kind of like ladarius but not as much as ladarius you know she knows and where I, the line is yeah she knows where the line is and i think like um uh they don't really talk about it so much in the 2020 footage but in the 2021 footage like mm-hmm. they uh, the coaches are like oh jada has grown a lot like in the past year and she's a bit more patient now she can trust the process more like she can trust her teammates more and like she like um you know is essentially like not not mean you know kind of to her, her teammates not that she was like mean mean before but i think like it, they were kind of implying that she could sometimes uh, come off as mean you know mm-hmm. um and i think like that was kind of like I think I I feel like putting them in the same episode especially back to back in the same episode was an intentional choice of being mm-hmm. like these two people with both like kind of loud like big personalities mm-hmm. um but how they grew in different ways like Ladarius going in like a completely opposite way of like e- like even more like um sinking into his like um I guess like insecurities and like self-righteousness uh, whereas like Jada kind of growing and like being mm. able to trust other people more and like mm. um you know like I think that was and I don't know if like them both being black was an intentional thing or just like they have similar personalities but it felt like a intentional comparison to me yeah I love Jada I love Jada too yeah um should we migrate towards talking about um stuff more broadly um Ooh. like what do you mean by stuff or broad like what are some things like to be known about? or not to be known oh yeah broadly. sure yeah mm-hmm. um okay so upon this departure from discussing the pitfalls of fame mm-hmm. and visibility mm-hmm. um what is your relationship or what do you think about visibility lack of visibility your relationship to wanting to be known mm. i can also go first if you don't want to if you want a second to think yeah i think you yeah um so yeah i don't know i've been thinking a lot lately about and i've talked about this a lot about how i feel like social media platforms you know really increasingly kind of desire for you to show your full authentic self kind mm. of 
Um, like, I feel like Instagram was, like, definitely that way. But I feel like TikTok even more so. I was, like, watching this this one video came up on my For You page that was, like, everyone who has, like, their, like, morning routines or, like, their uh, getting ready, their makeup routines, like, all these different stuffs, like, in their drafts, like, just post it. Like, they were, like, I want to hear everything. I want to know everything about your life. I want to know what you're eating, what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be, like, a sweet video that was, like, encouraging people that feel self-conscious about you know posting or like being yeah. seen in that way to feel like encouragement and stuff mm-hmm. but also it's just kind of like I don't know like a part of me was just like even I felt a lot of pressure that I was like oh should should I be posting my morning routine like yeah, I was like yeah, should yeah. I be posting what I'm eating like I was like oh I have like um I've gotten a video that's like kind of like that but even in a more like I guess mean way where it was more like I'm looking at the person who's not posting because they're scared of like yeah. not showing their like or like being judged or like not showing their authentic self and blah blah, blah. and I was just like whoa can you just yeah can you yeah <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting for me because it is that kind of, like, yeah, like, there is that kind of balance, too, where mm-hmm. it's just, like, you want to be able, I feel like visibility right now is a real social capital, and mm-hmm. you see a way, the ways that a lot of people are, you know, accessing things like financial stability, accessing, mm-hmm. like, careers that they've all always wanted through their ability to be visible to the public, Yeah, and... Obviously, like, that, I'm saying that in, like, the influencer sense, but mm-hmm. really in any sense, like, in any, like, um, career path or whatever thing that you're in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, it just really feels like, you know, everyone's really desiring this sense of visibility. But also at the same time, I feel like because the pendulum is swinging so far to, like, everything has to be kind of known, like, this, like, influencer culture of, like, showing and detailing every aspect of your life from your like morning routines to what makeup you wear to like how you organize your room like all these different stuff I feel like we're slowly desiring right now like a little bit more mystery from our celebrities and also just mystery in general from other people the Alexa Demi I was gonna bring the Alexa Demi thing (laughs) yeah yeah this is a conversation we've had many times but Mm Yeah, like, I, I just feel like, or so I was talking about this with Alexa Demi, where I was just like, why? You were talking with Alexa Demi. Yeah, so me and Alexa Demi were talking. So I was talking about Alexa Demi, yeah. and I was, I was saying that why I think that her celebrity is this, is really represented in this kind of seductress like she she just seems immortal and ethereal mm-hmm. and untouchable untouchable, untouchable like in an icon in, in an very, icon way like, yeah in a way that like a lot of celebrities aren't anymore you know because yeah. i feel like what the celebrity move lately and it's been with the rise of influencer influencer culture is authenticity authenticity and relatability mm-hmm. that like we need to feel as if we can like see ourselves in our celebrities in the same way that influencers become profitable because of their relatability, authenticity, and also visibility, showing mm-hmm. themselves, showing all the intimate details of their lives from like them crying about a breakup, like really intimate details of like personal mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. And what I think that Alexa Demi, like why I feel like she feels so 
like old school celebrity kind of old Hollywood in a sense mm-hmm. is because she's she has she, she's maintaining the sense of mystery mm-hmm. that I feel like so many celebrities like don't anymore in oh, this God, yeah. in the sense that like she never posts anything about her personal life like it's only her doing like like in her, her Instagram at least it's like her doing like like her photo shoot photos, like yeah. her doing like covers, like just yeah. but literally zero stuff about yeah. her personal life, zero stuff about her opinions. She doesn't say anything about what she like like thinks about anything. She's done like one Vogue get ready with me video. That's well, all. She like... rarely she rarely posts. Like rarely does like interviews. Like she does stuff for Euphoria and stuff, but yeah. it's like she's not and and because of that, like she holds such an air of mystery that like people don't even know her real fucking age like (laughs) like she holds such an air of mystery that like people like what people don't know becomes like what almost becomes this like drawing force towards her because Mm -hmm. it's like people want to know people want to access her and she's so untouchable and out of reach that it's also like that's why people like Alexa Demi can't be cringe too because they're no. so unvisible in a certain type of way. That there's no, that I feel like cringeness requires a certain level of visibility and relatability for us to like pinpoint things to cringe at. But she's just so distant that mm-hmm. like you know like there's nothing you can touch about her. That's there's nothing that I even think that you can cancel about her too, which is like another thing that like cuz she doesn't even share opinions, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like like yeah, like really old school celebrity untouchable in that sense that I feel like a lot of celebrities don't have nowadays. And I think that like like what what came along with this kind of like influencer culture authenticity relatability show yourself make yourself visible like media scape was what also like obviously was what necessitated like things like cancel culture and cringe culture Mm -hmm. because it's like those like phenomenons require that level of visibility for you to even like pinpoint something in someone else um but yeah, so I've just been like contending with that and thinking that like I, I really see that the pendulum is going to swing where I feel like because like our culture, you know, is like really in the space of visibility, I feel like we're going to slowly start desiring levels of mystery. Um, and yeah, so I it's kind of just like been also a question too of like, you know, my own like presence on social media and stuff like that. Um, and, and this weird desire too, that you can't help shake, like if you're a person in this world, which is the desire for visibility, you know, the desire to be known and like what that can like present to you. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this kind of like overwhelming, like fear of what that might mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like. So something I've been thinking about is like, well, one thing is sometimes I'm like, maybe we need to go back to the like, uh, like eighties rock star days where like we just didn't know that our like uh, stars and rock stars were actually like terrible people. Like pro- quote unquote problematic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like sometimes I'm like, maybe we should just go back to that because because it's, uh, it's like maybe it doesn't matter that like um, 
someone who makes music needs to be a good person, quote unquote. <laughs> like, I don't know. Within like, a realm of limit. Yeah, within yeah. a realm of limit. But I guess I'm just like, um, yeah, well, I mean, that's a very like extreme thought that I sometimes just have. And, right. You know? And, no, yeah. And I think it's also coming from a place of like, I would rather not know also. Like, you know, like my selfishness. Yeah. Of, like, I just would rather not know. Yeah, I mean, um, it's but, the same thing um, we're talking about of like, we're like, Lana Del Rey's musician. She doesn't need to be a good feminist. You yeah. Know? Like, it's not... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What she's doing, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Or like I wish I like wish that Ariana Grande would just like stop doing something ridiculous so I can just <laughs> just like enjoy her music. I don't know. <laughs> like yeah, it's very cringy. Um anyways, um but at the same time I feel like I in- really enjoy like you know, obviously I do enjoy like when people I like quote unquote like look up to right. in like uh, right. celebrities or otherwise of when they're vulnerable online. In totally, any way. yeah. Like, totally. Um, like I love the um, wait, I'm forgetting the name of the actress who played Love Quinn, <laughs> who is played by oh Victoria Pedretti. Mm-hmm. Um, uh victoria pedretti like she did uh, i'm sure you've seen clips of it going style on in, like you. in tiktok like hmm? the style like you interview i think so right that's the one where they like take off one garment at a time and like you know my, ask my famous the... cousin did one of those too really yeah it was really crazy i like i was like randomly scrolling and also nema did it that's why i was looking because i was nema like, did it yeah nema did one. Oh my god i didn't want to see that well I was, yeah i was mm-hmm. looking at nema's one and then i started scrolling and then i literally just saw my fucking cousin and i was like since when did you do this it was actually a cute one also yeah it yeah i guess it's like well stella Q is not one of those ones where it's like only big celebrities yeah yeah like, i think it also started as a smaller project yeah too, exactly so, yeah but yeah, and like, um, like I love that interview of Victoria Pedretti yeah. specifically. Like, I love all of them really, like the concept of it. But it's I feel sweet. like, but I feel like Victoria Pedretti like um, really had a willingness to show her vulnerable self right, in hers, right, whereas right. like I think some other ones, which like you know, like obviously naturally, like some other ones felt more guarded, like you know, which mm. is their right to be guarded, yeah, totally. like you know, or not to like sh- expose themselves completely. But I think. Um, with Victoria, like, she, like, really, uh, like, I could, uh, you know, she had a willingness to show some vulnerability, um, to, at least to a certain point, um, yeah, and and that's the thing, too, is that, like, you're so right, I do actually really Mm -hmm. value, and it, and it helps when people are really, like, honest and vulnerable about things they're experiencing, especially when it's something you can relate to, and it's, but um, then you have, like, the other end of the spectrum, too, where it's, like, there will be literally people who are having, like, mental breakdowns in public mm-hmm. or, like, real breakdowns on, like, Instagram yeah. Live. And it's just, like, that, that like, the over-vulnerability that kind of, like, divulges into, like, yeah. spectacle and, like, mm-hmm. other stuff, you know? But I also feel like, though, um, okay, maybe hot take, but, like, I feel like even the over-vulnerability... Um, and just like just like vulnerability to not vulnerability like um, or wanting to keep things mysterious I feel like it's more just about that person's like willingness to do it I feel like even someone having a breakdown online publicly like I'm like if that's what you want to do genuinely then like um, uh, then I then I think that there's no like big problem with it except for that you know maybe someone around you should check on you like but you know like um uh, because I feel like it's uh, like even talking about like more kind of I guess social issues like yeah. um like you know when a celebrity has like a disability or a like a 
drug addiction problem or like a mental illness or um or like is like problems with their body image or something right. like that like it's like people like uh, like like we do admire celebrities who talk about those things vulnerably because it like helps like other people feel like they can like relate to and like normalize things and things like that but at the same time i think the problem is like when celebrities feel forced to talk about it you know yeah that, that's a great point yeah because yeah. i think it's like when if the celebrity themselves want to disclose it and disclose as much they want to not like more than that then like it's a good thing whereas like when people are like forcing celebrities to be like you have a disability you should talk about it because it's gonna be like for the greater good of people or something like that that's when it becomes like a this really weird thing and well even like i'm thinking about people like demi lovato Mm -hmm. um who obviously like they were so so public about like their drug addiction and about their issues with like eating disorders and stuff like that and like really Mm -hmm. intimate parts of their life Mm -hmm. um i was i was really interested in their documentary the the most recent one where they were kind of talking about like really like almost being stifled by this image of this like mm-hmm. you know like person who is like the per advocate i guess yeah. for, like, you know, <laughs> drug addiction and so and like they yeah. were like yeah it's just overwhelming too you know and like just feeling like you have to yeah like be like i also think too that there's this sense of like i feel like we have this we have this really big fear of contradicting ourselves that Mm -hmm. if we say something at one point and then feel differently like there's something inauthentic about what we said before that like somehow it cancels each other out yeah even though it's like which it doesn't (laughs) yeah but like people are allowed to change their minds but like it's so funny because i feel like there is that like heightened sense too on social media Mm -hmm. that like even like i remember like on tiktok someone will be like oh well you said this one thing in this video and people respond back and be like yeah well i'm saying this thing now you yeah know? yeah um but it's like there's this very much the sense because everything is being like archived super clearly mm-hmm. it's almost the sense of like holding yourself to this like paradigm or mindset that you are in at this like point in time and being like oh you revealed this very vulnerable thing about you and like even when they were saying that they they previously were like like uh, 100% sober like like nothing no like weed no alcohol like completely sober and then towards like 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 um in that documentary they're kind of dealing with like oh actually I want to reintroduce things but I'm worried how people are going to take that like you know like and just these things of like just the changes they had in their own mindset about their like addiction and stuff like that and so it's like yeah, like, I, I feel like it's very much a sense of, like, holding people to something yeah. that is really crazy to me. And I think it's, like, I think it's, like, just, um, I feel like social media and all of this, like, influencer or celebrity stuff is that it's just, like, a constant battle between, like, being understood and misunderstood because it's, like, you want, uh, people, celebrities are wanting to be more vulnerable and want to disclose more things and want to say more opinions because they want to be, like, understood. But then they end up going into a loop of, like, actually being more misunderstood and it's just like and also because like i feel like something i've been noticing lately is that my like favorite tiktokers are like 
making TikToks and then when they get some sort of like I guess like scandal on TikTok or like getting like this, these like ridiculous hate comments on hate TikTok like about what they said in the TikTok or whatever like when this like I guess misunderstanding happens um they don't talk about their like um that I guess like addressing those hate comments that much in on TikTok they will really they'll sometimes maybe make a video addressing it but not really and they'll usually go to like Twitter or Instagram to talk about that misunderstanding because I guess they know that Twitter and Instagram are the more like where they have um I guess like a less open audience and right. like a people who understand them more like like the people who get it more like yeah. um uh, who are gonna know where they're coming from I guess because yeah um, well I'm specifically talking about like yeah so like um with like chaotic witch hunt on uh witch talk like uh they're very great like witch talker on tiktok and like they made um well, they've been like more disclosing about their like Im- invisible disability um, on uh, TikTok. I'm not gonna go too much in- because yeah. I genuinely also don't really know. To be honest, I haven't caught up with it that much. But yeah, and basically, like um, on Twitter, they made this whole thread about how they've been like basically misunderstood about like um, their invisible disability. Like mm-hmm. people will tell them what to do. Like they will, people will tell them like that they don't have it as bad as some people or that they can't actually like, uh, uh, like why are they getting, getting like university accommodations for this like thing or whatever. Like it's just like all of these, like I guess misunderstandings, even from people who even have the same disability as them, the same that they have, they like know better than them about their disability like and uh or like people who like read one blog post about it like talking about them and stuff like that it's just like wild that people would think that they know better that than this person is going through the actual thing in their life but anyways um but yeah and um, it's just like the whole element of like parasocial relationships that come with authenticity online and relatability online yeah but then like um yeah and instead of kind of addressing it on their like tiktok and they've done this for other issues on their tiktok like with comments too like where they just go to twitter about it and make a twitter thread about it or like complain about it on twitter but then it's like interesting because the I guess, like, the TikTok audience people still don't know that part of the, like... Uh, like sphere. The, yeah, the sphere. The chaotic like, aunt extended universe. <laughs> the extended universe. Or, like, that, like, kind of, I guess, statement clarifying or something. I don't know. Yeah, you know? So it's, like... So it's, like... And I don't know. I think it's just, like, that, like... With social media, I feel like there's always... um, You just always have to, like know that you're gonna be misunderstood by at least one person if not way more because it's like because that's the whole thing with like tiktok and every everything right it's like you put something in the caption and then people don't read the caption and then comment about how like oh uh, but isn't this this and then the caption literally clarifies the thing that they asked or like or yeah (laughs) like you show like a really big or like you show a picture of you at the party and the caption says something like two years ago and then everyone's like why are you at a party like comment or like or even like um or like one person uh, or or like um this other like uk uh tiktoker that i follow like um she also posted this on their on her instagram story about this whole scandal but basically that her boyfriend and her like uh like took a photo together on the street like or like in the um uh, 
like in the sorry subway subway but uk i'm trying to remember the uk oh, word for the, subway the the tram no <laughs> they have a really iconic name yeah I mean, it doesn't London, matter, right? Yeah, but it's it's just it's the subway, okay. But anyway, so like they like took a like mirror selfie together in the subway or something like that, and then and her boyfriend is not wearing a mask in the photo, but it's like because he's like um uh like oh, London he, Underground. That's what the transit system's called. No, but they call it differently in the, in colloquially. But anyways, doesn't matter. So. Her boyfriend is not wearing a mask in the photo because her boyfriend um, is uh, like she do- like he doesn't have to wear a mask because of some kind of like invisible disability or something like that. I forget. Um, the railway. Uh, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I think tram actually might be the word. I don't know. I think it might be tram. That sounds really British to me. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Anyways. Going. Okay, she so, wasn't wearing a mask in the photo. They were in the subway. In the subway, um, she wasn't wearing a mask in the photo. And literally in the caption, she says he is exempt from wearing the mask because he has this invisible in, invisible disability that like uh, makes it very uncomfortable for him to wear a mask. Blah, blah blah. He's exempt, and he's also wearing like a lanyard thing that indicates that he's exempt or something like that for right. like people on the street. I sure. don't know. Like yeah, and apparently that's like a very and that's a very like specific like UK restriction thing. Like the lanyard thing. Like that's not a thing. I don't think that's a thing in Canada, yeah, right? No. Or in the in North America, really. I think no. I don't know. Or like and obviously like, mask exempt people are a thing, but I don't think like I know the specific policies around that here. But it's like a very specific UK policy about that, right? But then like obviously her TikTok is open to international people so then like my god we're almost at two hours bro. we can edit i don't know but i'm gonna get to the point <laughs> sorry so like obviously her comments are open to like international people so like international people are like why is why is your boyfriend not wearing a mask like is, i don't care that he's mask exempt or like I, i'm mask exempt but i still wear a mask or like or like that's it's different here in north america and it's like they're literally in the uk like just so many things and i was like oh god that is such a nightmare mm-hmm. and just yeah i feel like it's just like you know uh there's so many people who are gonna mis- misunderstand you whether is because they just like literally didn't read the caption or they don't understand something or they just like literally just have a different understanding of the world than you or are just like even like simply unwilling to understand like some people are just like determined to be mean also yeah Mm, totally what was your question um well i guess i wanted to like ask like more specifically like our relationship to I don't know, like visible, like visibility stuff, or like just to be known. Like, do you want to be known? I don't know. Um, do you want to be known? <laughs> uh, it's like the Harry Potter magic cat or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I don't know. I think I'm just constantly contending with this. I um, also I literally have a Scorpio moon, and that's like astrologically f- uh, a famous placement to be like known despite not you not wanting to be known like beyonce has the same placement yeah i feel like that like really really encapsulates you know like beyonce like is very like i think she like crosses a very fine line between like mysterious and being totally you know like and like it's often against her will also you know um but yeah and i feel like it's like 
um I feel like it's this constant battle of like especially like when I'm scrolling through TikTok too where mm-hmm. I'm like oh there's this trend I want to do this trend it's kind of cute and fun and like it mm-hmm. seems fun and stuff you know and then but then like uh, or even just like wanting any kind of opinion of mine known or like uh, wanting to make certain content mm-hmm. and it's not even in like a money kind of way like I want to do this because content creating makes money like it's like it just you know wanting to be again like known or Mm. I guess um just like yeah I guess like wanting a part of myself known or like that I could even like I guess tell people how to live their lives or something I don't know maybe that's a yeah yeah Mm. um or that I could, I guess it's that I could, like, that I could contribute to something. That's the big mm. thing. Um, but, um, but I also just, like, hate how social media functions nowadays. And I think it's, like, a very, um, it's a weird thing. Because I think it used to be, like, um, you know, uh, people who, whenever people talked about, like, celebrities suffering from, I guess, being known or, like, a paparazzis or, like, people's, like, want, if being invasive about their lives, uh, the main argument what that was that they signed up to this, you know? Mm. Like, and I feel like nowadays what's happening is that people who didn't sign up to this uh, are still met with that. And they don't mm. have, like, a whole publicity team to take mm. care of them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like the, like, as, like, micro-celebrities get mm. even more micro and micro and micro. Yeah, totally, Like, because totally. it's, like, having... Nowadays, I feel like even having, like, 1K followers still yeah. is met with a lot of, like... Being, like, just, city like, open. famous is a yeah. thing, too. Like, yeah. Famous within your city. Yeah. yeah, just, like, just... Or just, like, an opening to a lot of people of yourself. Yeah, you know? Like, totally. uh, even if you have, like, 1K followers, like, it's still, like, your TikToks can be, like, circulating a lot in the algorithm and things like that. So I feel like as, like, micro celebrities get more micro and micro, like, it's just, like, the problems just get a lot more... <laughs> um common i guess and we're all dealing Mm -hmm. with this sense of feeling like Mm -hmm. yeah and like and that's also why like instagram is like becoming more like colloquial as what is the word again um like what's the word like casual casual Mm -hmm. i think that's what people are saying yeah so to like i guess somehow alleviate alleviate that pressure but also at the same time added that pressure which is mm. interesting or like the the reason why like a lot of influencers are moving on to podcasts is also because it's like a less criticizable like uh platform and it's way, uh, okay but at the same time it's authentic. way less cancelable because it's so or even traceable because it's so hard to like watch a two-hour podcast yeah. to find like you know like yeah. it's a lot of work yeah you know? yeah yeah it's like a lot harder to pin down for sure mm-hmm um, I feel like I've been having this kind of mentality where I feel relatively not visible right now, but I think that, like, um, a part of me, I, like, was kind of having this thought today, a part of me is, like, feeling like I want to enjoy this time, this point in time where I feel like I don't have visibility, mm. because, you know, things can change, you know, and even though, like, things like visibility are very exciting in the sense of just like opportunities mm-hmm. what what it can like offer you 
I think too, like, yeah, like there's something, I mean, and I'm sure you relate to this too, like if you're doing like any creative work online or just like, even Mm. just like a creative person in general, like not having eyes on like what you do really kind of gives you that like, like there's less pressure, you know, and you can create freely Mm. in ways that I feel like a lot of people that are creating with big, Mm -hmm. big like audiences feel like so much intense pressure to like, like, um, yeah like with eyes on their work and stuff so I don't know I've just been getting the sense where I'm just like you know things could change but like right now at this point in time like I kind of want to enjoy mm-hmm. the I guess quote-unquote privileges that not being yeah. visible kind of has like they yeah. like yeah like you don't have people up your asshole <laughs> yeah that's lit <laughs> yeah I feel like it's just I don't know. I think it's, like, in my personality, too. Like, I've always, like, contended with this feeling of, like, wanting to be known and not. Like, I feel like I've always been, like, the kind of, like, it's, uh, yeah, just, like, the kind of, like, shy person who actually wants to be, like, on stage, but also not. And, like, blah, blah, like, or, like, um, like, as a kid, I would, like, uh, write in my diary, like, um, as if I was, like, writing to a future person who was, like, finding my diary, like, within (gasps) fossils or something like that. I love to think about that. Yeah, like, I'm all, like, I always thought that I was, uh, this, like, was a record of a 12-year-old girl living in, like, 2012. Yeah, yeah. specific time and place and yeah hi guys it's ty and shelly um we somehow the audio at the end of the podcast got really fucked up i don't know i think something happened with the mic so it is ending very abruptly (laughs) right now but anyways um we'll see you next thursday um or next next thursday bye (laughs) Shelly has food in her mouth, but she she says bye. (laughs) Bye.